From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is Lindsay McPherson, who covers appropriations for CQ Roll Call and the politics of appropriations, which is vital this week, Lindsay, because we are dealing with a chaotic February with so many competing priorities now clashing together uh, that we wanted to sort out what's coming when, and you're the perfect one to deal with it. So thanks for being here, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on, David. Glad you could do it. So Congress is facing a February 18 deadline to complete these overdue appropriations bills for the current fiscal year. They need an omnibus package, but there are plenty of distractions that have been multiplying in recent days that's really good, that really could put a crimp in what they can get done and what happens first and second and third. We want to try to sort that out this week uh, for our listeners to see what they should expect because the next couple of weeks uh, in February are really going to be crunch time for a lot of these things they're trying to do. Uh, And something that may get put on the back burner, as you wrote about, Lindsay, is the so-called Build Back Better plan. Yeah, it certainly seems that with uh, other priorities piling up, the government funding deadline is certainly at the top because that's three weeks away now. Um, And other things that Democrats want to prioritize that Build Back Better given that Joe Manchin is still not on board and that negotiations haven't really resumed in earnest. Um, People have started reaching out to him to kind of talk about Build Back Better. He said on a radio program this week, but he said there's not really actual negotiations started. And, you know, until that happens, it's going to be a while before they can start to piece together what a new bill looks like. Because Manchin, as you know, came out last month, said he opposes the House pass bill. And and more recently, he says he wants to start from scratch in negotiating Build Back Better. So I think Democratic leaders have started to look at other things they can do in the interim while they're trying to figure out the situation with Manchin and Build Back Better. And there's things that are rising to the top of the to-do list above Build Back Better. Starting from scratch, that does not sound like a very hopeful sign of uh, even if they want to get back to Build Back Better, um, Hard to see how that's a hopeful sign for getting anything done in the in the near term. Um, if Manchin's starting from scratch, and meanwhile, Democrats are still divided over the strategy, and particularly that big fight over the expanded child tax credit, right? Right. Definitely not good news for anyone <laughs> that Manchin wants to start from scratch. There were months-long negotiations last year, and they did make considerable progress with Manchin in some areas. The climate spending and tax incentives, for example, there was a lot of work done to get that in a good place. They dropped a program in the original package that would have penalized utilities if they didn't meet certain emission reduction standards. They worked on a methane fee to get that in a place that Manchin could support. There were a lot of work done in the climate area. And in fact, a lot of his colleagues now are saying, well, let's Let's still use that. You know, we sat down, we'd negotiated with him. It's largely worked through. Um, and let's start negotiating this new package from there. And 
the good news is since Manchin has said he wanted to start from scratch, the only piece he's spoken favorably about is the climate. He did say in an interview with Newsy this week that he still thinks there's a lot of common ground on the climate portion. So hopefully that doesn't have to be entirely tossed out and <laughs> renegotiated from scratch. Um, but the fact that he is talking about starting from scratch suggests he's in no rush to get this done. And he's he's made other comments as well that speak to the fact that he is perfectly fine to wait a little longer for Build Back Better. He is continuously, anytime he gets asked about Build Back Better, he always brings up inflation. Um, there was a revealing uh, answer by Senator Thune in a conversation with reporters earlier this month in which he said Manchin had wanted to wait until basically after the first quarter of 2022 to consider anything on Build Back Better because he wanted to see how inflation, you know, would progress. Well, that pushes us into April. Right. And I, I thought that was note, noteworthy. I have, you know, I haven't heard that talked about anywhere else, but Senator Thune does speak with Senator Manchin frequently. So the fact that he kind of, you know, threw that out there, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it, it's probably coming from a real place. Uh, and another thing that is noteworthy is Senator Manchin is now involved in these bipartisan negotiations with Senator Collins and a ton of other Democrats and Republicans in the Senate on a smaller scale voting rights bill after uh, the big Democratic push failed last week. And basically this their negotiations center around reforming the Electoral Count Act, and we don't need to get into all the details because it's not really budget and appropriations. But needless to say, Senator Manchin has talked about those negotiations and wanting to prioritize that. And he even mentioned that on that radio interview he did this week um, when asked about Build Back Better, that that's his kind of focus at the moment. And what I would compare it to is basically in the summer when he and uh, the bipartisan group of senators was negotiating the infrastructure bill, he was very zeroed in on that. And anytime anyone else would ask him about that, this was still when they were forming the early outlines of the budget resolution and what would become Build Back Better. But we would ask him questions about, you know, initially Bernie Sanders offered like a $6 trillion outline, and then that got crammed down to $3.5 trillion. And all this negotiation was going on on the side about the budget resolution, but Manchin was totally zeroed in on infrastructure. And what happened is Democrats claimed they had an agreement on $3.5 trillion, and then we learned after infrastructure passed, Manchin was like, no, I never agreed to that. He was totally in his lane on infrastructure the whole time. So the concern is if he's focused on something else and people are trying to negotiate a deal that needs his support on Build Back Better they they risk running into the same problem they did when with the budget resolution and the top line for this. That's a good point because Manchin is is the linchpin here for any Build Back Better deal. And if he's really preoccupied with, you know, his concern about inflation and trying to do uh, electoral college counting reform, um, you know, I know I know a lot of lawmakers like to say, well, we can walk and chew gum at the same time and we can do many things at the same time. But the truth is, Lindsay, they often can't. I mean, I think we know that, you know, Senate floor time is very limited. They like to say they can do several things at once, but often what happens is stuff gets pushed down. the. They, they push the can down the road and there's not time for things and they have to let things go. Um, 
And it seems like that's the dilemma they're going to face in February, not to mention they now have a a Supreme Court vacancy. And, you know, the the retirement of Stephen Breyer comes right at the time they're trying to to get a bipartisan omnibus deal. They, They were trying to do Build Back Better. Now they have to try to confirm a new Supreme Court justice. President Biden said he wants to name someone by the end of February, which means and, and Democrats say they want to move quickly on it, which means March could be consumed with a Supreme Court fight. Right, exactly. So that just adds to the list of things they already want to do in these next few weeks and months. You know, like we we talked about the omnibus is definitely top of mind. Um, it seems unlikely at this point that they could actually pass a full omnibus by February 18th. More likely they kind of negotiate and fi- get a deal on the top line spending levels and the breakdowns to resolve some of the policy rider issues that they've had and then maybe pass another short-term continuing those resolutions so they have time to write the omnibus and because usually it takes you know a week or so to put together text and to and then you have to move it through both the house and senate so i think it's unrealistic to expect they'll have that totally done by february 18th and so that could stretch till later into february maybe even early march and then like you mentioned the supreme court nominee biden wants to have someone nominated by the end of February and the timeline Senate Democrats are talking about for moving the confirmation, you know, we go through the hearings and all that and hopefully have them confirmed within a month timeline as kind of what they've been talking about. So both of those things are going to eat up a lot of February, March. And then also they want to negotiate a bicameral deal on there've been various names for this. It started as endless frontiers and the Senate, and then it became Yusika and, now in the House, they introduced a, a version called America Competes, but all these names are basically, this is a giant package that, you know, is aimed to improve the U.S. competitive competitiveness with China. Um, it deals with a lot of the supply chain issues we're currently facing. It appropriates 50-some billion dollars for to semiconductor trips to start manufacturing those in the U.S., Right. That's a huge bill. And they're, they're, and Democrats are really eager to get that done because they think there's bipartisan support for it. And Biden's eager to sign that. And he's, he, he, we're probably going to see him push for that uh, Friday as he goes to Pittsburgh. I mean, and there's big money at stake, we should say, for our listeners. I mean, there's, there's I think, $54 billion in new appropriations in that bill, most of which is to address this semiconductor chip shortage, which everyone agrees is desperately needed. And that's in both the House and Senate versions. So it does seem like if if they can ever pass that bill, there would be $52 billion or more for semiconductor chips, uh, which which is new big money. And if they want to do that bill quickly, uh, are we looking at February for that? (laughs) Um, I think February, March is kind of the idea on that. And I do believe the signals lately seem to be that that's a priority over Build Back Better, in part because, you know, the the chip shortage has definitely created a lot of supply chain issues that are exacerbating inflation. And inflation is obviously a big concern for everyone, lawmakers, politically, you know, people out in America needing to buy things, um, companies trying to run their businesses. It's just a massive problem that lawmakers are very focused on, voters are very focused on. And so there's obviously a debate between Republicans and Democrats on the inflationary effects of Build Back Better, but I think everyone agrees that resolving these supply chain issues and 
the chip shortage is a top priority. And so I think Democrats look at that as a way to notch a win before the midterms and that they can hopefully get that done. It seems a little more realistic in this moment than getting a deal on Build Back Better. So that is where they seem to be focused. You see more people talking about, you know, that bill over Build Back Better when they release statements um, on economic matters. So we'll see exactly what the timing is. The Senate did already pass their version last summer, but the House will probably move on that soon. And then they'll have to negotiate it by camel version. So it's just a lot to do when we talk about all these things and build back better, given they've not broke any ground with Manchin since he announced his opposition to the House version, just seems like it's going to be a later in the year thing. And on top of everything else, Lindsay, we have Ukraine and and Russia threatening to invade and growing pressure in Congress to impose sanctions on Russia. Uh, Republicans want to impose sanctions like yesterday. Uh, Democrats are trying to hold off to use them as leverage in case there's an invasion. But there's a lot of debate about more pressure to, to funnel more military aid to Ukraine to impose new sanctions, to restrict that Nord Stream 2 pipeline that would run from Russia to Germany. All of that is going to compete for for congressional attention, too, at the same time. Right. And actually, of all the things, you know, we just talked about, the thing that's most likely to come to the floor first is going to be um, a sanctions package. There's been some talk about it prior to this recess week um, in the Senate after they defeated a measure from Ted Cruz that would have sanctioned, put sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Um, Democrats voted that down because they didn't want to inflame tensions while they were trying to have a diplomatic solution with Russia over the Ukraine situation. Um, But they do want to have a sanctions package in place. Senator Menendez has a draft bill and they're negotiating around that. So it, it seems like they could potentially move something on the floor and have a debate on that in a couple within the next couple of weeks, um, particularly as the threat grows, um, grows that Russia may invade Ukraine. So and so you see why why this is so difficult and why their their focus and attention is going to be split so many ways. But meanwhile, we do know from our reporting this week that that negotiations are underway on this omnibus appropriations deal that's way overdue. This is for the fiscal year that began last October. Uh, We're talking there about roughly one and a half trillion dollars worth of discretionary spending that has to be divvied up in ways that can meet with bipartisan approval. We do know those talks have begun, is the good news, from both Senate and House appropriators from both parties. They have started exchanging proposals. Our own Paul Krawczak reported this week on at CQ. Uh, you should check that out because it gives you the latest on the status of those talks. But there's still no sign, Lindsay, that they have a deal on these top-line numbers and this fight over over how much money goes to defense programs versus how much goes to non-defense programs. They might be coming closer. Democrats have been inching up on the defense numbers to meet with Republican approval, but still no sign of a deal. Right. I would say that they 
if they want to have any chance, and I already talked earlier about how it seems unlikely they could get a full omnibus done by the 18th, but if they want to have any chance of that, they definitely have to have a deal on top line numbers within the next week, ideally early next week, um, and have those big issues sorted out so they can get to working on the details within each of the 12 bills. Which in itself sounds like a tall order if, if nothing else were, were getting in their way. And we should say that also getting in the way of an omnibus deal are all of these policy fights, particularly this huge abortion battle where Democrats want to lift the decades-long so-called Hyde Amendment that, that prevented federal funding of abortions, which is a no-go for Republicans. And, and, and they have to find a way out of that quagmire to get any kind of deal on on an omnibus as well. And so you put all that together and whether a deal can come by next week, as you say, and to, to meet the February 18 deadline just seems so unlikely. I know there's been rumor of, of yet another stopgap bill to avoid a government shutdown. Um, and they may well need that to give themselves at least an extra week or two would be my guess. Right. And I do want to say on the abortion fight, I mean, there really is only one way out of this. Let's be honest. Republicans are not going to negotiate if Democrats do not restore the Hyde Amendment that bars federal funding for abortion, period. I mean, it's just that the only way out is to give in on that. Democrats can try to get something else, but they don't have a supermajority in the Senate. It just is what it is. There's not even close to enough votes ever pass the appropriations bills with that. And let's also mention, like, I think Democrats are not in a strong position, even if they could pass something on this with a simple majority, because Senator Manchin is supportive of Hyde. So they actually, there are more senators, at least 51, that support Hyde than don't. So the dam will still have to break on that issue in, in order to get a deal. And you, you're probably well, they right. Do. And I, yeah, Democrats clearly don't want to give in on that. It's going to be another thing that upsets their base. And if they actually want to get to a deal, they, that that is really the only option. Republicans are perfectly fine to go with the year-long CR to save Hyde. Okay, so that's where we are, uh, which is in a, in a busy, chaotic state as, as Congress comes back next week for what is sure going to be a busy February uh, but CQ and Roll Call will be here to cover it all for you as usual. That does it for us today. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for joining me. Thanks, David. And we will see you all next week.